welcome. It's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Mr. David Schuster, TYT contributor, Rebel HQ extraordinaire. Got to check out his videos, amazing. All right, top story of the day. The former vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, was willing, was trying to also figure out a way to overturn democracy as we know it. I told you from day one, Mike Pence is no hero. Is it not ironic that there are people who celebrated Mike Pence because Mike Pence decided not to do something grossly illegal. However, new information was exposed that clearly showed Mike Pence was trying to figure out how to do what Trump wanted him to do. Before I get into the details of this, Mike Pence being celebrated because he decided to actually uphold the oath he took, which is to uphold the Constitution. He's being celebrated because he did not decide to do something illegal. The most chilling revelation from the first public hearing of the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th terrorist attack in the United States at the United States Capitol was the reaction of President Donald Trump to news reports that the insurrectionist mob he incited was proposing to execute his vice president. Now, we've seen the footage, we've heard the chants, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. And still there are some Republicans who would say, "Oh, they were just protesters who got a little excited, that's all. I mean, come on, they're not really criminals. They literally were saying, hang Mike Pence. I reported on the story not too long ago that showed they were in close proximity of the president. They had to, the vice president, they had to lie. Literally, they had to implement counterintelligence to suggest that the vice president was nowhere near the mob, but he was 40 feet away. There's more. In her opening remarks during the primetime hearing, Representative Liz Cheney, Wyoming Republican, who effectively co-chairs the committee, recounted how aware of the rioters chance to hang Mike Pence. The president responded with this sentiment, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence deserves it. Now remember, when Trump received the news that an angry, violent mob of terrorists were trying to find Mike Pence to kill him, he tweeted <clears throat> that Mike Pence had turned his back on democracy, on this country, on him. He wanted Mike Pence to die. I don't care that you think what I'm saying is extreme. That's what Trump wanted to happen, it did not, but he desired it. There's more, according to the book Peril by Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. Pence asked Quayle, Dan damn Quayle, 
if there was anything he could do, you have to follow the insanity of this. Here's what's happening right now. People came to Mike Pence and said, we need you to do something illegal, but it'll work. We need you to not certify the electors so that the electors do not have a constitutional mandate to certify the election. Because if you do this, Mike, while yes, it is against federal law, there's a creation of a constitutional dynamic. You go into the realm of the unknown. And once you go to a constitutionally undefined space in American government, you can start making up rules as you go. That's what they wanted. They wanted to create their form of order out of chaos. There's more. So according to the book, Pence decides, okay, these guys want to overthrow the government. Cool, I'm down with it. Uh, Let me not alert the FBI. Let me not expose them publicly. Let me call Dan Quayle. Pence asked Quayle if there was anything he could do. The quote is, Mike, this is what Quayle said. You have no flexibility on this, none, zero, forget it, put it away, said Quayle. But Pence kept pushing. You don't know the position I'm in, Pence said. I mean, whoa, is Pence. He's a powerful white man who must follow the law. Do you know the pressure that is for a guy like Pence? He says, I'm under pressure here, Quayle. I need an out. How can I make this work? Quayle replied, I do know the position you're in. I also know what the law is. You listen to the parliamentarian, that's all you do. You have no power. And that's what Pence eventually did. Let me go to the tweet, cuz I think John Nichols sums this up quite well in his tweet. Cool plotters came to Mike Pence with a plan to overturn the 2020 presidential election. He did not go public to expose the scheme. He did not alert the FBI or other authorities. He called Dan Quayle for advice on whether he could go along with the coup. Now, let me be very clear about the January 6th committee. You're not gonna like what I'm about to say, many of you. It's performative, it's political, is it necessary? Of course it is. It's strategic, however, they still believe institutions are sacred. Why have they not questioned Jenny Thomas? She's part of the investigation, text messages, emails. She attempted to influence members of the actual staff and other lawmakers to ignore the constitution, to overturn democracy. She's not being questioned, she's not being investigated because she's married to a Supreme Court justice. Also. Why have they not sent a subpoena to the former vice president of the United States? You see, the politicians on this panel, they are not dumb. Don't make that mistake. Sometimes they are idiots, but they're not dumb. It's not as if they're twiddling their thumbs saying, "Oh, we forgot about Mike Pence. Or we forgot to ask Jenny Thomas, who's in all of these emails and text messages doing things that are illegal. It's not that they are dumb. They thought about this and they thought about this a lot. I want you to imagine something. What if the testimony and the evidence connected 
to these two individuals, Mike Pence and Jenny Thomas is so explosive that it rips the very foundation of what we understand to be rule of law. That it provides conclusive evidence that this president, the president, the president of that era, Donald Trump, was in fact in violation of the law, no question about it. What if their testimony <clears throat> creates a conclusion in this country to where now there is no question about what happened? They don't want the testimony of Mike Pence. They don't want the testimony of Jenny Thomas. Because Pence takes down the institution of the presidency and Jenny takes down the institution of the Supreme Court. Because I think Clarence Thomas is connected. There's a reason they do not want to follow the evidence. And it's not because they're dumb. All right, David thoughts here. Well, a couple of things. Um, I did not have Dan Quayle as the savior of democracy on my bingo card, and, yeah, and right. I think you get to the. I think look, I, I'm from Indiana, um, and I you know know a little bit about Republican politics, not that much, but I know I know enough that um, that Dan Quayle is something of a mentor um, for Mike Pence, and so I, I don't have a problem necessarily with Pence calling up his friend and saying, "Here's the pickle that I'm in. What do you think?" But you identified the key thing here, and that is the moment that Mike Pence started to push back against Dan Quayle and say, you don't know the sort of pressure that I'm in. And again, the idea that he would try to defy Dan Quayle, I mean, to me, that gets right to what the intent of Mike Pence was. And, and again, you identified it as well, the intent that he had by not calling the FBI, by not going public, by not making a greater stink. And for us having to learn all of this in a book by Bob Woodward and Bob Costa, as opposed to Mike Pence coming clean, I think that gets right to where the heart was for Mike Pence and just how close we really were to having democracy turned inside out. That's right, brother. And here's the other thing. We now know the vulnerabilities, right? We know that because of the ambiguity of the Constitution, the the notion of democracy rests in the hands of one person. Well, that's not smart. The framers of the Constitution, they messed up, they got it wrong. Why haven't Democrats at least pushed to create a law or an amendment to the Constitution to make sure we protect our democracy? They simply let it stay, which means if Trump gets back in, he's going to have a vice president that, that will never certify an elector. All right. A police chief finally admits his department is racist as hell. Okay, Toronto police chief, this is so interesting, owns up to the racial profiling happening in his department. Let's put his picture up full mass. He finally admitted to what black residents and activists have been saying forever. That his department is rife with systemic racism. His name is James Raymer. So what did he do? He held a press conference and he apologized at the press conference. He said, whoa, I am so sorry that we're racist. Uh, the apology came after a newly released data pack showing that individuals who are non-white are racially profiled. The data was clear, he could not argue the data. As challenging, the chief said, as it is for me as chief and for members of our command and service to come to terms 
with what our data tells us, I know that it will be even more difficult for those from Toronto's black communities who have been telling us for many years of their experiences. And I want our communities to know I am listening. What? You're listening to the data, you didn't listen to the black people. You gotta understand this. He's listening because a data set was published. He's not listening because black victims have been screaming, we are being victimized by your police. Let's put up the picture of the woman who called him out. Raymer, the chief, was called out by this woman, Beverly Bain. Miss Bain is a member of the No Pride in Policing Coalition and an assistant professor at the University of Toronto heavy hitter. Here's what she said to the chief. And I'm here to address <laughs> what I see as really egregious in terms of this particular um, uh, a public relations stunt that has been delivered by our chief here, the chief, Chief Rayma. This has nothing to do with the black community. In fact, the black community never asked for an apology. Neither did I think you were apologizing to the black community. This was, you apologizing to your rank, insulting to black people. This is insulting to indigenous people. This is insulting to racialized people. This is insulting to the homeless, to those of us who are queer. And what we have asked for you to do is to stop, to stop brutalizing us, to stop killing us. Yeah, the request is simple. Change policy, fire people, resign your damn self. Let me give you the background to the data that the chief really was responding to. Once again, he wasn't responding to the black victims. He was responding to the data. The Toronto Police Services Analysis of 2020 data looked at 949 use of force incidents and 7,114 strip searches. It showed that when it comes to enforcement, black people were overrepresented by 2.2 times compared to their share of the population, followed by indigenous people at 1.6 times. Of those involved in a police interaction, black people were 1.6 times more likely to experience use of force. According to the Toronto Star, when looking at the total population as a benchmark, police were five times more likely to use force on black people than white people in 2020. The report found that black, east, southeast Asian people and South Asian people were more likely to have an officer point a gun at them by a factor of 1.5 times, 1.6 times and two times respectively. Officers were 2.3 times more likely to point a gun at a black person than a white person, even when they did not think the black person was armed. And there's a lot more. Um, systemic bias, racism cannot be resolved with sentiment and apology. It is a rotten dynamic. You must take the rot out of the thing in order for the thing to heal. There's a rot, Chief. You're part of it. All right. David, an apology, that's all they got. <clears throat> I'm so glad you did this story, Dr. Richard, because I mean, we often look at Canada and think, oh my goodness, Canada's doing it right. They've got universal health care. They're far more responsible about guns. They have fewer murders. But what this shows is that 
racism cuts through, particularly when you're in a power dynamic, which is what policing is. And even in Canada, even in Canada, racism, racial profiling has reared its ugly head, even in a great city like Toronto. And I think it's a reminder, the reason we focus so much on police and law enforcement is because that's where racism tends to play out the most in our society, whether we're talking about America, North America, Canada, whatever it is. That's why we focus so much on this. And again, it's not enough as you point out to just apologize. In order for us to make real change, there has to be action. There has to be a difference, a different approach that we can see, that we can feel so that these communities can understand that no, this is being taken seriously. Very well said, brother. All right, let me take everyone back to Uvalde, all right, the cops. It has been exposed, once again, let down the children, the faculty, because they never even tried to open the classroom doors. They were scared. They were waiting on more things like artillery and backup and gear. But I thought they were there to protect and serve. They say, hey, we have a dangerous job and we do our job, do you? Let's put up the picture of the police chief, okay? Let's keep his picture up. There's new footage. It has revealed that Uvalde police officers never even checked the classroom doors to determine if they were unlocked during the shooting. For 77 minutes, 77 minutes, Uvalde cops waited in the hallway for a master key that did not even hold a key to the classrooms that the shooter occupied. That's the chief, his name is Pete Arandondo. Chief Arandondo directed his team to stand down and wait for tactical gear and a set of keys to unlock the classroom doors, didn't even check, all right? Responding police officers appear to have just assumed, they just assumed the doors to classrooms 111 and 112 were locked without actually checking. A source told the San Antonio News Express Saturday. Instead, they waited around for a master key until more than an hour later. A Border Patrol tactical team killed the suspect. Even without the key, the source said that officers had almost immediate access to a crowbar-like tool and should have been able to pry the door open if it was locked at all, okay? The door to the classroom 111 was incapable of automatically locking. A teacher made complaints to the principal before the shooting about this. Rob Elementary, uh, Rob Elementary school teacher Arnolfo Reyes, who was wounded in the shooting that killed 11 of his students, said that prior to the rampage, he complained to the school's principal that the door to his room 111 did not latch properly during security checks. In other words, the door was open, all right, the door was unlocked, okay, all right. Whether the doors were unlocked is still under investigation, according to the police. But I'm here to tell you that damn door was unlocked. The sources confirmed to ABC News that investigators now believe the alleged gunman, Salvador Ramos, could not have locked the doors to the classrooms from inside as officials first suspected. In the surveillance footage, the source the sources said, it appears Ramos 18 was able to open the door to the classroom, to classroom 111 from the outside. The classroom is connected to the adjacent classroom 112 by a shorter corridor where restroom is located, officials have previously said. 
So he comes in, he opens the door, bunch of cops show, and they don't. They say they have to wait on the master key. Now, I have a different opinion than what's being reported because there are a couple of things that don't add up. They initially said they needed to wait on tactical gear. And then they added, and we needed to wait on a master key. Let me ask you this, is it one or the other? I mean, if you get a key, are you still waiting on tactical gear? If you get tactical gear, are you still waiting on the key? And let me say this, when the police are trying to apprehend a suspect, I mean, don't be a black person selling cigarettes outside of a store or someone who has an expired tag. Or maybe sleeping in your own apartment and the police have a search warrant to the next door unit and they decide to kick in the door. They don't wait on the master key and they kill you because you're startled. But in this case, all of these cops said they had to just wait on a key in order to enter. Now the report has clarified they actually had a tool that could have opened that door. What if they didn't want to go inside of that room? What if this was their excuse for inaction? Police Chief Pete Arandondo defends that him and his team tried to save as many lives as possible. Not a single responding officer ever hesitated, the chief said, even for a moment to put themselves at risk to save the children. We responded to the information that we had and had to adjust to whatever we faced. Okay, Arredondo, is that the reason you have now ordered your officers and yourself personally to not, to not participate in the investigation against you. If all of your actions were on the up and up, Mr. Policeman, why would you now hide information, hire consultants in order to bury the evidence and stop actual footage from being released to investigative authorities and to the general public and to the media? Why are you doing that? If everybody was on the up and up, it will be exposed. David thoughts. I think we can now say, um, and I think we could probably have said this a couple of weeks ago, but this just adds to it that we are now looking at perhaps the most humiliating police inaction uh, in American history. The yeah. idea that law enforcement officers would be standing by for over an hour as children were being massacred, and not a single one of them would either try to bust into the door, use that crowbar, or give their guns and the crowbar to the parents who are begging to go into that school. To me, it is it is so sad and. And again, I get, I get that people, even cops, may be afraid of somebody with an AR-15 assault rifle. I get it, but still, that is your job. You take an you take an oath to, to to defend the Constitution, to protect and serve. Most police officers, I think, most police officers would imagine that if this was them, of course they would put their own life on the line. That's why they join the force. But there are too many police officers who join because they want the power, they want the prestige, they want the badge, they want the gun. And when push comes to shove, they're gonna be the ones who are gonna say, no, 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 we gotta wait for the tactical team because that guy has an assault rifle. That doesn't yeah, cut it. Not at all, we're gonna follow this, all right? Cuz I'm sure there's more to come. We got more, it's indisputable, stick and stay. I got something for you. I wish a Karen would. 
Oh. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're, you're I feel right. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Let's see. Nobody's trying to do anything for you. Okay. Good Lord. We're trying to do our job. No, well, you're not. You told them that you wanted $200 extra. I can't. I don't, you can do it. Take whatever you, you want. Them. Are you lying now? I'm not lying. You didn't hire me. You didn't hire me. You did not 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 hire over how much a job may cost, disputes happen. But when you step out of the normative language of argument into the language of racism, you have gone too far. Now there's more video, here it is. You don't need to do anything else. Right there. I'm gonna pick that up. Just so sad. There's more. Pretty corporate. You didn't get to touch me. I didn't touch you. You didn't get to touch me. I didn't touch you. You didn't get to hit me with anything. I didn't hit you with anything. You threw that box at me. Don't worry, the cover's wet here. Okay, the police, they're coming. Good. You can see what he said. And look what you did to my leg. I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. said, I did nothing to you. Now remember, she has now said, you threw a box at me. No, ma'am, I saw you throw a box. Um, she said that the police are coming. Remember when you call the police, you're calling a gun. You think a gun needs to respond to the situation. You said that they injured your leg and that they assaulted you, physically assaulted you. Um, all untrue, but this was the classic building of the case because when the cops respond, she has a narrative that she knows her privilege will make others believe. David, thoughts? Look, I think, yeah, the police are gonna come and, and we pray to God that the police don't come in with guns. I mean, this woman, I mean, as stupid as she was, I suppose she could have made it even worse, but it was, it was bad as it was because now these guys, their lives are in danger because of how the police may respond. But the other part about it is, I mean, stupidity seems to run deep in a lot of these Karens because why on earth would you, if somebody's carrying your stuff, moving your stuff, 
I mean, if I were a mover and I didn't have the same sort of discipline these guys do, I'd say, oh, yeah, okay. And I would drop some of the boxes and I'd make sure the fragile stuff got broken. And I wouldn't care because, you know, she just told me I need to leave this country. Uh, why is it, and to your point, why is it that if you have an issue, and look, I, I've had issues before with, with movers, with the airlines. And sure, sometimes we raise our voices, but the moment you get into a personal insult or something derogatory, that's when you've lost your mind. And that's when yep. it's no longer an argument, it's no longer a reasonable discussion. This is you being racist or being sexist or being whatever it is, because you know there's no room for that. That's right. All right, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're my friend, back off! Yep, this male Karen wanted to fight a child over a chicken damn taco. And he tells the child who's working there, the kid, he says, you don't know how serious this is. Now, let me say this. I really wish that I had a life so amazing that I could get mad over a chicken taco. But I have so many actual problems in this world. So many real issues that I'm trying to solve. There is no way in the hell I could get upset over a chicken taco. Must be a privileged life. <laughs> David, thoughts? Well, I constantly try to tell my nine-year-old that I, that she shouldn't be yucking other people's yum. So I'm gonna do the <laughs> same here and say, look, maybe this guy has some sort of fetish for chicken tacos. And <laughs> I guess that's that's okay, but I mean, to the point, look, if you really like chicken tacos, you know what? Just accept the fact that maybe this one didn't turn out the way you wanted, or maybe they got the order wrong, and that's okay. We all make mistakes. Just calmly say, "Hey, I love the chicken tacos so much; it hurts my feelings when you don't get the order." Doing doing that, I guarantee you probably get a free chicken taco. But the yeah. moment you start to yell and you start to scream and you start to be rude and obnoxious and and essentially intimidate somebody, that's when you've lost the argument. And here's the other thing, David. If you truly like chicken tacos, why in the hell are you at Taco Bell? <laughs> well, right, that's yeah. that's a more serious discussion. It this really is a very is. serious matter. Something's not adding up. <laughs> All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these great comments. Okay, uh, Neil Tub Dragon, as somebody who loves neatness and symmetry, the Doc's hair game is always on point. Well, thank you so much for that. 
glad you noticed. We work on it. Okay, super chat YouTube, Lisa Fernandez, congrats, woohoo, my GPA is up and I qualify for the doctorate program in education. Congrats to you, all right, great journey. <clears throat> Taco Bell Karen, named for Mars, weak manager, back your employee, that's right. I mean, come on, you gotta back the employee when somebody's saying, come on, let's fight. You gotta leave now, all right? Uh, Twitch, move with Karen. These hateful people have nothing better to do with their time apparently. Imagine being such a pathetic person that all you have to be proud of in your life is your color, is, is the color of your privileged skin. Mike Boy Raps, you're already at a Taco Bell and also ordering a chicken taco. So we know you aren't, you aren't too concerned with your taco experience. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> my point from the first time I saw the video, I said, this man is not serious about what he <laughs> says is serious. Okay, all right, I have an update. I have an update to a story, seventh grader shot by Chicago PD, right? Hands up, according to multiple witnesses. When I first reported the story, I did not have the video, now we do. Here's that video. This is newly released footage. The young black teen, he's a seventh grader, only 13, had his hands up when he was shot in the back by Chicago PD, all right? Let's go to the second video of the police carrying him. Remember, he's paralyzed after the gunshot, okay? Officers can be seen surrounding the teen and carrying him by his legs. He's 13, put up his picture, he's a child, he's a kid, right? We're still calling him AG because he is a minor, do not want to release his full name. Let's keep his picture up, however, that is part of the public profile. As we reported previously, the young 13 year old AG did survive the May 18th shooting, but suffered major injuries to his spine and esophagus. According to his family, the chances of him walking again are still dismal. The incident began after cops tried to stop a vehicle AG was a passenger in. Police alleged the car, a silver Honda Accord, was involved in the carjacking the day prior to the shooting. That's their reporting, all right? We don't have that information conclusive. A number of witnesses, test up, they provided testimony, eyewitness testimony, that the teen already had his hands up and was completely unarmed, but was still shot in the back, all right? The new footage accessed by the accessed by the Daily Beast appears to support that testimony. It shows the teen running towards the gas station parking lot with his hands visibly raised in the air, no weapon in sight. Put up a picture of the police superintendent, David Brown. <clears throat> the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, they call themselves COPA, even confirmed no weapon was found. But when AG turned around to his right, he was shot by a cop. Police superintendent David Brown previously said an officer fired a bullet after the teenager turned towards him. Okay, turning towards a cop is not illegal. Turning towards a cop should not result in a bullet in your body. 
So he's turning towards a cop, but he's shot in the back. Where'd he do that at? He also claimed that officers dragging the teen away was done with the intention to avoid harm from an explosion at the gas pump following the shooting. The teen who was being chased by almost a dozen officers seen in the video did not have any charges against him. And no weapon was fired by him or found on him, okay? That's context for you. The chase began after he was spotted in a car. The police were trying to stop and he started running. Now, I know some will push back on this part and say, "Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a, a black person who committed a crime and he's not being compliant. Things happen. I want you to really consider what you're saying. Just because you may, may deserve to see a judge does not mean you must see your maker. That's not how this works. There's due process in this country, at least they were supposed to be. He did not threaten the police. He was not a threat to anyone else. The police shot child, a 13 year old seventh grader. I was a juvenile delinquent. I ran from the police every chance I could. Sometimes we devalue humanity for the sake of not thinking deep enough. Think deep about this. For anyone who will push back on me right now and say, you know that 13 year old looks like he was in a whole lot of trouble. I want you to imagine if this was your child, 13, inside of a car, not threatening the police, hands up, not trying to harm anyone, and he gets shot. Do you think you would agree with me then that this police officer crossed the line? Let me remind you that all of the other police officers believe that this one cop crossed the line. You know why? Because there were a dozen cops chasing him. 11 of them did not shoot. Do you understand? Now they're not going to say on record, man, that cop was out of line, but their actions prove it. You have a dozen cops chasing one person, 11 of them do not shoot because they all deemed it was not necessary because they were not in danger. Do you see their own actions betray the actions of the shooter? There's more. Copa said it had body cam footage from one of the officers at the scene, but cannot release it because he's a minor, the kid is a minor. And as we initially reported, the incident led to an uproar with a lawsuit filed. This lawsuit was filed by the family in May that alleged the police in Chicago. The police officers shot him recklessly and the and that AG had complied with the officer's instructions. Um, this is when we define our humanity in moments like this. AG should have never been shot. 
Why is that debatable? Why is there conflict to that very simple common sense notion? The cop got it wrong, the cop needs to be held responsible. Um, David thoughts. This needs to go to a grand jury and I do think the cop needs to be charged. I mean, this was a, how many 13 year olds do we know? Some of us, you know, when we were 13, 14, 15, just because if a cop showed up, we didn't wanna to talk to them, of course we would run. And the fact of the matter is, as you know, Dr. Ritchie, if you are a passenger in a vehicle that is stopped for a speeding violation, the police still have no authority to ask you to force you to give an ID unless right. they have reasonable articulable suspicion that you, the passenger have committed a crime. What was the crime the police suspected him of committing while he was a passenger? They're not, they're not saying. He starts running from the police and he goes to a gas station because that's it's well lit at a gas station. So the police can clearly see what's going on. And they still they still fire a shot at him, and they can tell that he's not he's not an old man, he's not a grown up man, he's 13 years old. Um, this is uh, this is ridiculous on so many levels, and, and so shameful. And I just you know what I wish the thin blue line here would just uh, stop stop with their protection racket, identify the cop who did this, send it to a grand jury, and I hope he gets charged. That's right. Well well said. Very well said. You won't believe this, but it's real. Kids were served floor sealant by a school. They thought it was milk, the children drink it, they go to the hospital. An investigation is now underway. Let me give you the background into how 12 elementary school students in Juneau, Alaska were served floor sealant instead of milk. At a childcare program has revealed the chemical was mistakenly stored in a food warehouse, school district official said. In the spring of 2021, one pallet of floor sealant was erroneously delivered as part of a shelf stable milk shipment to a warehouse used to store food for the school district. The floor sealant was later served to a group of students at the Rally Summer Care Program held at Valley Elementary School as part of the breakfast according to the school district. Soon after the students began complaining the milk they were served tasted bad and it was burning their throats and their mouths according to the district. Let me put up a picture of the mayor of this area. Her name is Beth Weldon. Now, I'm putting up the picture of Mayor Weldon because this is gross negligence. I have more story here, but this is gross negligence, Madam Mayor. And I know that you have not done anything to harm these children, but you are in charge of that city, you and that council. So I'm putting you on notice today that if the investigation does not uncover and hold accountable how this happened to those children is going to be me and you, madam, all right? All right, uh, the investigation found the outside contractor responsible for making student breakfast ran out of milk and sent staff to the warehouse to get more. Three boxes of the sealant were retrieved, one of which was brought back to the school according to the district. And all the school district said 12 children and two adults drank the chemical believing it was milk. After the children complained, staff immediately smelled and tasted the milk and looked at the container labels and quickly found the children had actually been given 
slightly scented liquid floor, still it resembling milk. Now, how did they figure it out? Hmm? They looked at the what? The label. It was labeled floor sealant. You mean to tell me that somebody picked up floor sealant, opened up the floor sealant box, took the floor sealant liquid out, poured it, it's floor sealant. It says it, it's on the label. There's more. Um, after parents were notified, some students were taken to a nearby hospital or their medical provider, the district said. Adding that some children also experienced headaches and nausea, along with burning in their mouths and throats. As of Wednesday evening, the district said all 12 students were recovering and some had fully recovered. Two of the other floor sealant boxes, now catch this now. Two of the other boxes retrieved at the warehouse were delivered to two other schools. Where they remained unopened, the district said. The school district board of education was appalled, they said, to learn of the food service error that occurred earlier this week. The statement said, our immediate priority is with the students impacted by the incident and ensuring their recovery and continued safety. The board is working to understand how this occurred and ensure we have proper safeguards in place that prevents this kind of error from happening happening again. I can tell you how it occurred. Uh, you got some dumbasses on staff, that's how it occurred. It was on the label, it was marked floor ceiling. I don't give a damn what refrigerator it was in. Uh, the contractor NMS said in the statement, our safety team, why do you have a safety team? Why don't you have a regular team? You have a safety team because your team F's up, that's why, okay? Our safety team was immediately dispatched to Juno on the day of the incident to investigate and assess every contributing factor to determine how this happened. We are working in cooperation with the school district, the police, the city and borough, the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation and the warehouse contractor. What about the kids? Hmm? No apology to the kids, you know why they did not apologize to the kids? Is called legal liability. Do you understand? All right. Uh, the statement added uh, to prevent a similar event from ever taking place in the future, we're implementing corrective action, a corrective action plan that includes additional safety measures and renewed checks and balances. We deeply regret this mistake and the distress of families and other members of our community. All right. So you're going to have to create a plan to make sure people read labels. David, thoughts? I'm not so sure this was a mistake. And I don't think anybody intentionally wanted the kids to, I don't know, have the sealant as milk. But this sounds like maybe some jackass in the warehouse decided, hey, let's play a little joke on the school. And they're asking for this milk, so let's just go ahead and give them this stuff and ha ha, they'll catch it. Well, no, they didn't because nobody was paying mm. attention. And damn it, the kids got this stuff. Somebody needs to own up and say, this was a joke that went bad. We should never have been screwing around like this. It's on us. We accept liability, we accept responsibility. Well said. Interesting point of view because, damn, right? To say that they simply did not read a label or labels, plural, and this happened doesn't, doesn't add up. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. A cop 
that shot and killed a 13 year old child also shot a man dead in 2021. And they're saying he should have been let go then. Let me give you the background to this, it's an update. The San Antonio police officer who killed a 13 year old child earlier this month should have been kicked off of the police force according to a new report. So let's go to the background, all right? John Montez, 57 years of age, let's put his picture up. He was killed by officer Steven Ramos. This was in March, 2021. His sister, Deborah Montez Felder, has been asking for the Bexar County District Attorney's Office for more information about the internal investigation into her brother's death, to no, no avail, all right? The police said Ramos shot and killed Montez after Montez threatened his estranged wife with a knife. Officers told him repeatedly to drop the knife, but he did not comply according to the police. After another officer on the scene unsuccessfully attempted to deploy tase on him, Montez swung a knife at him, prompting Ramos to fire his gun, according to the police. Felder, who also disputes the officer's account of her brother's death at the hands of Ramos said, and I quote, the officer should have been fired after the 2021 incident or at minimum gone through training and extensive counseling on dealing with public, dealing with the public and when not to use daily force. SAPD and the DA's office were on notice that this guy was a hothead trigger happy. She said, you were aware of it even before the killing of this 13 year old and she is correct. They were aware and they decided to back this guy. Um, Ramos is currently under investigation for the killing of Andre Hernandez Jr. The officer allegedly shot into a car. Andre was driving on June 3rd because he feared according to him that the child would strike officers with his car after he intentionally crashed it into a police vehicle. That account has been disputed by an attorney representing the family. We reported on this not too long ago after Watching the dash cam video and the footage from Ramos, the attorney said that's not what happened. Body cam called the police account false and incorrect, according to the attorney. All right, um, very sad. Obviously, obviously, this 13 year old should be alive. Uh, Ramos has been with the department for three years and is currently on paid administrative leave. You know, 99% of officers will never actually fire their gun. It's like 98.7. They would never actually fire their gun. You got to think about this. Over 99% would never have to kill anyone, okay? Duration of their entire career, never. This guy already has two bodies on him, both questionable. The first one, he should have been let go. They let him stay, had his back, he kills a child. Okay, um, he's currently on paid administrative leave and they have scrubbed his picture. We cannot find it, they're hiding them. So we got something for you, put up the picture of his boss. Okay, so from now on until they release the photo of the cop who killed a 13 year old who should be accountable to the public because he's a public official, that man right there will be the face of this story. That is the San Antonio Police Chief, Bill McManus.
corruption, systemic bias, it's heartless. And it never travels alone, it always travels with something else. You will not simply find one line of corruption, multiple lines of corruption will coexist. And that's why it will take a movement of policy and a movement of local communities to transform public safety as we know it. Your police department is not your public safety remedy. They are part of it, they can be a part of it if they do it right. Public safety is also about preventative dynamics as well as some reaction. The police, the police are not designed to solve your crime issues. If your city is bragging about hiring more cops, your city has failed you because all they're telling you is that there's more crime and they have no idea how to deal with it. How about your city brag about having to let cops go because crime has decreased? David, thoughts here? I think the folks in San Antonio are probably even more reluctant than ever to actually call the police when they really need yep. them. I mean, imagine that you've got a relative who's got some mental health issues who may be waving around a knife. Are you really gonna call the police now? Because what the police may do is they may kill your relative as opposed to dealing with them as a mental health case, which it was, which is what it seemed like in this particular episode. And by the way, what investigation did they do? It doesn't seem like they did any investigation. Did they present that first killing to a grand jury? No, of course not. They just said, oh no, he was justified. So now. Are we gonna see an investigation during this administrative leave into the, the, the shooting of the, the, the killing of the 13 year old? They thought a 13 year old was somehow a lethal threat. Um, at a certain point, the police have got to say enough already, enough. Just for public confidence, this guy doesn't belong on the force and he probably deserves criminal charges. So we're gonna refer that to a criminal grand jury. There you go. I got a question for everybody. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. Eric Greitens, Navy SEAL. And today, we're going rhino hunting. The rhino feeds on corruption and is marked by the stripes of cowardice. Join the MAGA crew, get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. Okay, so this guy's running for political office. Um, he's running for the Senate, Republican. He wants you to kill rhinos, Republicans in name only. That's what that means. That's basically what he wants to convey here. Um, there's more, that's not the only group that he likes to give thinly veiled threats against. Here it is. Strike your fear in the hearts of liberals everywhere, folks. Liberals beware. Okay, let me get this right, uh, Mr. Eric Grayton. Um, you want to kill Republicans, you want to kill liberals. You have campaign ads, and that was him, by the way, with Don Jr. 
All right. Um, let's put up his picture for a mass. I got a lot of background on this cat. We're going to expose him today. This is the former Missouri governor, Eric Grayton. He, if you haven't heard of him, there's a reason. He was only in office for a hot second. He had to leave because he was corrupt. All right. He's now attempting to resurrect his political comeback by launching a bid to replace retiring US Senate Roy, a US Senator Roy Blunt. As vote vets point out, this latest ad violates the DOD policy. Let's put it up. Interesting. They said Eric Grayton's a member of the Navy Reserves has violated DOD policy by identifying himself as a SEAL and using military uniforms without a disclaimer. Contact the Naval Inspector General Hotline or 1-800-522-3451 and report this abuse. All right, he clearly is in violation here. Let me also highlight some other violations. Let's go to the sexual assault violations. Accusations centered on the 2015 affair in which the former governor allegedly led a woman down to his basement, taped her hands to pull up rings, blindfolded her, spit water into her mouth, ripped open her shirt, pulled down her pants and took a photo without her consent. The felony charges, the felony charge that stemmed from that allegation was eventually dropped by his buddy, the Jackson County prosecutor, Gene Peters Baker, who cited statutes of limitation that had or were about to pass and potentially missing evidence. Okay, wow, that's that's a lot. So the prosecutor didn't say, "Oh, well, we've concluded he's innocent," or "We've concluded there's actually not a case," or "We've concluded." The uh, victim is lying. No, 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 no. We've concluded it's just too late to do anything about it. All right. What am I going to do here? Hands are tied. Well, how about the violence against children? The accusations are included in a sworn affidavit filed by former Missouri First Lady Sheena Grittens as part of an ongoing child custody dispute. Eric. Unstable and coercive behavior included physical violence to their children. That's in the affidavit, that's a sworn document. You swear under penalty of perjury, you can go to jail if you're lying. Behavior included physical violence against their children, such as cuffing, cuffing our then three-year-old son across the face at the dinner table in front of me and yanking him around by his hair. That's in the affidavit. The reason why that's important is because if it's proven that she is lying, she can actually have a criminal penalty. In November of 2019, the affidavit states that one of their sons came home from a visit with their father with a swollen face, bleeding gums, loose teeth, and said his father had hit him. The affidavit states, uh, Gretens said it was an accident while you know roughhousing. The tooth later had to be surgically removed, all right? Okay, so he was a corrupt governor. He has accusations, credible accusations of um, violating a woman he took to his basement. 
and accusations that he beat his children. What else is there? Well, we found something else, uh, violence against his ex-wife. In addition to allegedly abusing his children, um, Sheena Gretens alleges Eric knocked her down and confiscated her cell phone, wallet and keys during a 2018 argument. So she would be unable to call or help um, extricate myself and our children from our home. In the spring, early summer 2018, his wife also said her ex-husband repeatedly threatened to commit suicide unless she showed specific public political support for him, classic manipulator. As a result, she and others were concerned. They limited his access to firearms on at least three occasions that year. I started sleeping in my children's room simply to try to keep them safe. That's all once again in the sworn affidavit. He's running for the US Senate and he wants to kill rhinos and liberals, okay? Will Republican leadership say anything against this guy? No, no, because the Republican Party is ran now by guys like him. David, thoughts here. Well, this commercial encourages people to break the law, to storm into people's homes, to uh, to engage in violence. That's the first thing. Secondly, his ex-wife has said that he continues to try to block the release of any records relating to their marriage. In other words, if he is truly innocent of these things that he, that she's claiming, he would release the records. But no, he won't do that because he's probably guilty, and because he doesn't want anybody to somehow have any blemishes on his effort to run for U.S. Senate. It's so amazing, Dr. Holly, that we already have a, a senator from Missouri, uh, 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 Dr. Rich. I mean, we always. We already have a senator from Missouri, Josh Hawley, that bird-like guy who sort of you know gave the, the thumbs up to people who are trying to physically storm the Capitol. Now we may have a senator from Missouri who actually likes to engage in physical violence. That's how pathetic the Republican Party has become. My dear brother, always a pleasure having you on the program. You traffic in truth, my friend. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Well, thanks, Dr. Richie. People can get uh, my stuff by going to Rebel HQ on either Facebook or YouTube uh, or follow us on Twitter. We post videos every day. Uh, occasionally, we're lucky enough, I'm lucky enough to be on shows like yours. Uh, and uh, I appreciate you, Dr. Richie, for having me on. Hey, man, we're the lucky ones, brother. All right, the bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, <laughs> he's back, my dear brother Armstrong Williams, uh, who is a conservative broadcast owner and journalist, um, astute businessman, and somebody who has been a conservative thought leader for many years. Uh, Mr. Williams, good to have you back on the show. How are you? My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, we're going to chop it up. I, I do apologize. We have a bridge time. I'm in the business. You don't have to explain to me. I understand. All right, you know. No explanation. So we need to talk. I got to talk about Clarence Thomas with you and his wife, Jenny Thomas. And if we have time, we'll talk about Chris Rock and Will Smith. If we don't have time, we'll bring you back. So let me ask you about what has been exposed now. Jenny Thomas, her involvement in the January 6th insurrection, and Clarence Thomas being the lone dissent on the US Supreme Court as it relates to a January 6th dynamic. If you would, I don't want to presume what you know or believe about that scenario. So if you would, provide us your take and I will opine. So um, obviously I work for the justice um, for many, many years when he was at EEOC. Yep. Uh, 
And I remember I, I hosted the wedding reception for he and his wife, Jenny. You know, Jenny comes from a family of activists. She has very strong opinions. Um, and she has a vision of the world, like activists on the left. They're, to me, they're both of the same coin. And so all throughout her career, this is what she has done. I, I remember um, you recall when she picked up the phone and called Anita Hill, um, the justice's accuser. And asked her to make an apology. And, and we asked ourselves, what in the world would make someone make a call like that? I mean, this is who she is. She does what she does. I, I will tell you, um, Dr. Richie, when the justice learned, when she finally had to confide in him, tell him about those texts and that she would be mentioned, no one could have been more shocked uh, than we were. I mean, it's a marriage, she wants her independence. Her attitude is that he doesn't really need to know what she does. But obviously, she should, in my opinion, I've said this in the New York Times, I've always said this, you've got to exercise better judgment. Because while you're independent, while you do whatever you want to do, you're an activist, perception matters. How people perceive things matter. And at some point, if this continues, it could have a perception issue with the justice. But I can tell you, he is, as always, was was unaware of our activities, unaware of our involvement, and especially unaware of the latest. I mean, marriages are very challenging. He wants her to have her independence. He wants her to have her freedom. And basically, they don't really talk about what each other are involved in. I know you ask yourself, how is it that happened in marriage? Listen, there are people who've been living together for 50 years and wake up the next morning and realize there's so many things about the person they did not know. This is just part of the marriage process, but in terms of him recusing himself, even the vote that you just mentioned, the long mm -hmm. vote, that vote was about the executive powers of a president. How much leeway does a president have in terms of his executive priorities, in terms of what he recorded, what he does, how much of it can ever can be shared with the public? Are there certain things that are just privileged to the president? Had nothing to do with anything else but executive privilege. People can spin it any way they like, but that's mm. exactly what it was. Okay. But still, Okay, go ahead. I, I got to respond to some of this, brother. You got it. Okay. Because what you have just told me is that Jenny Thomas is a horrible wife. And let me back up what I'm saying, okay? Her husband is one of the most powerful people in this country. She's connected to that by choice. She doesn't have to be there. Now, when we talk about his refusal to recuse himself from the last ruling that was involved, the high or the high profile ruling that involved January 6th. It's a coincidence, is what you want us to believe, Mr. Armstrong. It's a coincidence that Jenny Thomas was on the record for siding with President Trump as it relates to his executive powers extending beyond his presidency. She's on the record for saying that. The Supreme Court, the only Supreme Court justice who agreed with her happened to be her husband. And all of the other Supreme Court justices, including the ultra conservative ones, disagreed with her and disagreed with her husband. So you want us to believe that the fact that Miss Mrs. Thomas was 
for executive privilege extending beyond presidency. And that a husband as a Supreme Court justice was for that as well. But every other legal scholar said no. No, that makes no sense at all. We've never well, let me, let me, those let, me let me respond to you because okay. you're putting me in an interesting position today <laughs> where you are forcing me to defend the justice's wife. She's not a horrible wife. In fact, she's a wonderful wife. It's just okay. there's a certain aspect of what she does. And she made some really unwise decisions, Mr. Williams. Yes. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right. At least you said she's that. Not, she's not a horrible wife. You you made me laugh, which is great. Also, we're only aware of how justice was voted in this case. We have no idea how the other other justices voted because they would not allow themselves to be placed on the public record exactly how they did vote. So you're saying that they voted eight to one? That is not true. You just don't know because of the record how the other justices voted in that matter. You know, this is very fascinating. All right, so <laughs> we have enough conjecture here, common sense applied to no individuals that said, all right, you know, Trump does not have the power to extend executive privilege beyond the presidency. But let me ask you this very simple question, because I think sometimes we get so involved in legal scholarship, we miss the common point. Do you believe that a president's executive authority should extend beyond that person being president of the United States? Uh, let me say this. I was inside, <laughs> Mr. Okay. I was inside the Capitol on January 6th. Okay. There is no question that former President Donald Trump fomented the atmosphere that right. led to that insurrection. Okay. I was inside that Capitol. Why were you at the Capitol, Trump? brother? You weren't part of the rally, were you? I was a journalist. I was covering. Okay, all right. I just. So I, as, I'm sorry, brother, brother. I just got asked, brother. Fair question. It's okay. It's fair <laughs> question, my man. I, you got to get it in, brother. Listen, those were Trump supporters. Okay, they were not only urinated and defecated and creating violence. It was it was the most one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in my life. So I there's bet. no question that Trump bears responsibility. Again, you're putting me in a position. I'm not here to defend Trump. I agree with you. I've always agreed with you on this issue, right? But still, Thomas's wife admitted she attended the rally, and she then admitted she a year later. Wait a minute! All due respect, yeah, that's right, Mr. This Williams. Is exactly right. She kept that's a right. secret. She yes. kept a secret. She so that means she went there in a disguise. That's what that and means. Guess what? Guess what? She kept it a secret to all of us. Not just you. Do you think I, she we kept it a secret dark. to her husband? Yeah, she did. That, that's a bad wife, brother. I'm sorry. No, it's not a no, bad no, no wife. brother, brother. No, I'm not going. You, you're gonna talking go about you're talking about something that I have to professionally be involved. Just think about it this way. Let's take it out of the context of the Supreme Court. Let's say, okay, you're married. You got your wife. You as a professional and her as a professional. There's a case coming up that will garner national attention and likely put you in the line of fire, even more so because of her actions. And she doesn't tell you. That but you have assuming, to make decisions you're, on issues. You're assuming, okay. you're assuming they have conversations, and she has such. She yeah, has I do assume that married people have conversations, Mister. Not Williams. these conversations. You are absolutely no. correct. Yeah, you're making an assumption, which is fair. <laughs> Most people would make that assumption, but this is why you have me on, so I can inject another perspective, and that okay. perspective is he is totally in, as he's always been about her activities. I know firsthand in the dark. But hit, but her actions are problematic, brother. Yes, they are. <laughs> okay, so 
We so agree. You're, yes. you're asking people, and you understand in good faith why people yes. won't believe that, right? Like, wait a minute, there's too many it. coincidences here. I get it. I get All right. it. But you also know, you also know in your lifetime, okay. sometimes coincidences doesn't necessarily prove a point. They're just coincidences. All right, so they let just me ask have you my this. chance. You All know right. this. Let me ask you this question. Okay. We know that Virginia Thomas has a long activist career. Yes. We know her entanglement with yes. Citizens United and everything else, yes. right? So yes. when you know this, all right, so I'm gonna pose this question, we're running out of time. When you know this about Miss Thomas, when you know this, you're Mr. Thomas, okay? All right, he has a duty, a moral obligation to recuse himself, not just because of unfairness in a ruling, but the appearance of unfairness in a ruling. And if his wife refuses to tell him what she's involved in, as you have suggested, that means, brother, that she, in my opinion, is not doing well in her relationship with him. Because he has a noble duty to recuse himself. And if she continues to act in this way, she is violating a trust tenant in my opinion, because well, he me, has this duty to recuse. Let me say this to you, there's no question she's violating an oath in the marriage to protect him at mm -hmm. all costs. Be aware of the kind of judgment she makes, the kind yeah. of things she supports, and the kinds of things she has done over time. But guess what, she has never done that. She's always done exactly what she wants to do. That's that's who she is. I got but you. Let me but right. let me just say this, um, Justice Thomas. Yeah. Um, in terms of recusing himself, you first you have to assume that the Supreme Court now will accept any any kind of case dealing with January 6th. There's a different bar there, but I do believe there is a legitimate argument that if this does become if it comes before the Supreme Court, that Justice Thomas should consider recusing himself because of the perception of this whole mess that his wife finds okay. herself. Okay, all right, good good enough on that. You have intellectual integrity on that issue. You, you actually did not answer my question now. I caught that, but I, I just want to make you comfortable again. Do you agree that a president and their executive authority outlives their presidency? No. All right, so you, you disagree yeah, with yeah, your friend no. Clarence. Justice Thomas, you know what? Justice Thomas, you disagree we, with your buddy Justice Thomas. We disagree, and that's a good okay. thing because if we both agree, agree that somebody's not necessary. That's right, man. Well yeah. said. Always good to have you, Mr. Williams. Thank you, brother, for gracing us with your yes. presence. Yeah, and remember again, Jenny, I did not say you are a horrible wife. I said you should use better judgment. I say this to you all the time, but I know he loves you. You love him, but my God. You got to stop putting him in these kinds of situations. You got to use better judgment. Listen, That's what I'm saying. She's making I know brother you look are bad. a good wife. I'll give you that. All right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you.